Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you're blessed by this podcast, please subscribe. Once you do, you'll be able to stay up to date with all our latest messages. This week, we continue in chapter 21 of Revelation. We'll get a look at the New Jerusalem as described by John. Is it a real place? And if so, where will it be located? Let's find out. Let's get going. We are here. Revelation chapter 21, the New Jerusalem. So when we left off, we were in chapter 20. And it was the judgment of Satan and the judgment of all those that rejected God. Uh, and and they were, those judgments were concluded at the end of the 1,000-year millennial kingdom at the great white throne judgment. So we go from that great white throne judgment and the judgment of all evil to heaven. So let's go to heaven right now, Revelation 21. You ready? Okay, chapter 21, verse 1, John writes, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no more sea. Uh Uh-oh, what is going on? What if I want to go surfing? We'll see. We'll get there. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, no sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain for the former things that passed away. And then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said, It is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. Who's the Alpha and Omega? That's the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's going to give of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. That's what Jesus promised in John chapter 7. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son Uh, But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, uh, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars will have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Let me stop here for a second. I've read that verse for many, many, many years. Tried to figure out, verse 8, what it means, but the cowardly, because you're afraid like the cowardly lion from the Wizard of Oz, you're not going to enter into heaven? You know what it is? It is the fact that you do not have the guts to stand up for Jesus and righteousness. And cowardly, you just go along with the flow because as a politician, you, you want to be reelected. As a pastor, you're worried about offending people. That's the cowardly. You will not stand up for truth, although you may even go to church. This is a warning for all those who say, man... Uh, They don't want to rock the boat. No, I'm just going to go along. I'm just going to take the middle of the road. I just want, I don't want to rock the boat. This is a problem. Because it says here, the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murder, sexually immoral, on down the list. Uh, Those are placed in this. That, my friends, is radical. Verse 9. Then one of the seven angels, who had the seven bulls filled with the seven last plagues, came to me and talked with me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride the Lamb's wife, and he carried me away in the Spirit to a great and high mountain, 
and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone and uh, clear as crystal. Also, she had a great and high wall with 12 gates, and the 12 angels at the gates, and names written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of of the children of Israel. Three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, three gates on the west. Now the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And he who talked with me had a gold reed to measure the city, its gates and its wall. The city is laid out as a square. Its length is as great as its breadth. And he me- as he measured, and excuse me, and he measured the city with the reed. Twelve thousand furlongs its length, its breadth and height are equal. And he measured its wall one hundred and forty-four cubits, according to the measure of a man, that is, of an angel. And the construction of its wall was jasper, and the city was pure gold like like uh, clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The, fa- the first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony or whatever that word is, and the fourth emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardis, uh, the seventh crystallite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprase, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. I don't know, I'm not a, I'm not a geologist, but I'm thinking something like that. The twelve gates of the twelve pearls, Each individual gate was of one pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. Wow! Pretty cool. So check this out. Here in verse 1, we read, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no more sea. So what is that? Well, new, new heaven and new earth, comes from this Greek word that means different from the usual impressive better than the old keep that definition in mind what we got here now people think man i love this place i love going to maui i love going over here i love going over there and and uh, listen no matter how good stuff may be here uh, what is coming is impressive a uh, way more impressive than what we got going on here in fact i've heard it said uh, before that when satan was cast out out of heaven he was cast to earth. To him, the best on earth was at best a cesspool compared to what was going on in heaven. He didn't like being here on planet earth. It's like, how, it's like he was cast down here. So imagine that. You're thinking, man, to Satan, Satan knew the place was like a cesspool. Maui being like a cesspool. That's hard to imagine. I'm sorry for all my friends from Hawaii. I love Hawaii. But I just start looking at it in the perspective of heaven and you think, man, I just want to sit up my chair right here in a cesspool. This is awesome. <laughs> Compared to heaven, when we get a, grisp, a, a grasp of heaven, it's like, wait a minute. This doesn't make any sense. Why would I want to do such a thing? This is the picture that God is giving us. We're told here that the city, the street of the city, verse 21, was pure gold like transparent glass. Man, that is incredible just to give us that kind of imagery. Wow, the street like that? Uh, that's that's pretty cool we pave our streets with asphalt right up there pardon me we pave our yeah we're in california we pave our streets with potholes in heaven thank you gary in heaven the street is 
transparent gold like glass. You know, the most expensive thing here and, and more pure than any of the gold here, and that's our streets. So God wants us to get that, that, that idea of what the difference is. Uh, so in heaven, oh, it's different from the usual. It is impressive beyond belief. It is better than the old. It also means new in character. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 19, called this the regeneration. Jesus said, Matthew 19, Assuredly, I say to you, that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of His glory, you will have followed me, you, excuse me, who have followed me, will also sit on the twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Regeneration is a translation of the Greek word that literally means rebirth. Hence, the NIV Bible uh, says it this way, at the renewal of all things. So what Jesus is talking about is what we are reading about here in Revelation chapter 21, uh, verse 1, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also keep this in mind. Uh, Peter talked about that day coming when he said this in 2 Peter chapter 3, that the heavens will be dissolved. Apparently, at the end of the millennial kingdom, after all evil has been judged, God is going to redo the whole thing, earth and heaven. Here's why. Why would God do that? So remember, there's a rapture, tribulation period. Jesus comes back, rules and reigns from Jerusalem for a thousand years. We're here with him. It's going to be totally awesome in the millennial kingdom. Hemet is going to be kind of like heaven at that time. It's going to be pretty cool. Imagine that. For a thousand years. But why would God dissolve it all only to create a new heaven and a new earth? Because even though it's the millennial kingdom, it has still been contaminated by sin. Remember what happens at the end of the millennial kingdom when Satan and non-believers rise up to have one final battle against the Lord. The Lord wipes them out with the word of his mouth and then it's all over. He says, all right, we're redoing the whole thing. This planet, as we know it, is done. We're getting a whole new heaven and earth. Hence, Jesus said elsewhere that though heaven and earth may pass away, remember when Jesus said that? My words will never pass away. So heaven and earth as we currently know them. Revelation chapter 21 tells us about this renewal of all things at the end of the millennial kingdom. Make sense? Okay, let's go on with our question. First question, what will this moment be like? It will be Wow! I mean, I don't know how else, I mean, we have no idea how incredible this moment is going to be, but if you're a believer in the Lord, we're going to be part of it, we're going to be checking out, we're going to be watching it, going, Lord, this is like, I thought the Millennial Kingdom was pretty cool, but this is really something else. Now, to help aid in our understanding, uh, here's an outline that you can use for your own personal help. I'm not going to use this outline tonight, because I've been going through the book of Revelation with questions and answers so I'm going to continue that format for this chapter and also chapter 22 to be consistent. But here's a really good outline to help you understand how it all unfolds according to the book of Revelation. A, the descent of the heavenly city, verses 1 through 8. The new Jerusalem descending from heaven down to earth. Got it? B, it's the description of the heavenly city, verses 9 through 21. And C, 
the delights of the heavenly city, uh, beginning in verse 22, all the way through chapter 22, verse 5. So a pretty cool, easy outline to, to make a note of for yourself. Uh, you can write that down. This outline will also be uh, on our website. In fact, it's on the website right now uh, on YouTube with the live uh, streaming. So you can check that. A good outline to keep in mind for yourself. But as I said, we're gonna do, I'm going to go along with the, the question and answer format to be consistent with the way we've done it. But I wanted you to see that because it's a really easy outline to remember. Um, at, at this, as we look at this, this chapter tells us where we're going. When we get to chapter 22, we're going to see more of the delights of heaven. But it will be absolutely awe-inspiring. So much so that Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, as it is written, I has not seen, nor has ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. Excuse me one second. I got something on my glasses that I can't see. Now I really can't see. Is there anybody there? I see people walking out. I can tell that. <laughs> there we go. So let's get a closer look at what this future heaven looks like. Again, verse 21, uh, the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. The, so the first question, what will this moment be like? The second question is, what happens to the sea? So some of you, in fact, I think a lot of people love the sea. Well, it's hard to imagine a new heaven and a new earth without a sea. So what does this mean? Well, first... Uh, we know for certain it does not mean no more water. We know in heaven that there's going to be an abundance of water. There's a crystal sea, there's a river of life, there's tributaries, rivers of life that are going to be in, in, in this new heaven, in this new earth. So we know it doesn't mean there is no more water, but it does mean there's no more sea as we know it. And if you're a surfer, you're worried. And you're thinking, man, I, I grew up surfing. Uh, what would heaven be like if I can't surf? I don't want to go to heaven. I'd rather go to hell and surf on the lake of fire. Bad idea. Really bad idea, right? It'll be too hard, hot, it'll melt your surfboard. Okay, here's the reality of it. it if you couldn't be in joy without surfing in heaven, I promise you there will be surfing in heaven. So you look at it, it's not going to be as we know it. Whatever it is, this is what we can know. It will be new. We already saw the definition. I told you, remember it. It'll be different from the usual. It will be impressive, better than the old. In other words, I don't know how it's all going to work out with no more sea, but I do know there's water, and I do know that whatever there was before, what is coming is different from the usual. It is impressive and it is better than the old. So if that's the way it was with you and surfing, guess what? It's going to be better. You're going to be going, oh, man, God is right. Paul was right when he says, I has not seen nor has he heard the things that have entered into the heart of man, uh, of God that, what does that verse say? <laughs> things which God has prepared for those that love him. Um, that's what happens when I get off my notes. You ready to go on with the next thing? Okay, third question. What city did John see? We saw this. 
he saw the new Jerusalem. Chapter 21, verse 2. Then I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. As far back as Abraham, the people of God, of God have been expecting a city like nothing they have ever seen before. Uh, Book of Hebrews says this, Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. That is an incredible city. The city that Abraham was looking for is this city that we are reading about in Revelation chapter 21. And at first, John doesn't grasp the size of the city that he sees. How can he? Here's the problem with the city. It is massive. He has nothing to give a perspective. He doesn't know when he first sees it. He sees it coming down out of heaven, and he sees it coming to earth. And man, when he sees it off there in the distance, in the vision that he's got, he sees it off in the distance, and here it comes going, oh, oh, wow! This thing is an incredible city. As it comes closer, he quickly realizes that it's huge, it's massive, it's enormous, and he doesn't learn the exact dimensions of the city until the angel measures it for him look at this verse 15 and he who talked to me had a gold reed to measure the city its gates and its walls verse 16 the city is laid out as a square its length is as great as its breadth and he measured the city with the reed 12,000 furlongs its length breadth and height are all equal and then he measured its wall 144 cubits according to the measure of a man that is an angel. It's 1,500 miles wide, translated into our understanding. It has a depth of 1,500 miles, a width of 1,500 miles, but you look at it, it's got a 1,500-mile base, and the city is 1,500 miles high. Uh, there's no comparison structure that we have on this planet to give us a 1,500-mile building. Uh, not too long ago, we were in, in Manhattan, New York City, and, and you look at some of those tall buildings. We were standing at the base of the, the World Trade Center, and we're looking up at the top, you know, the new ones that have been built, and we're looking up at the top from the bottom. And let me tell you, it's like you look, and it just looks like it goes on forever and ever and ever and ever. That is because very, very, very tiny compared to this. You look at this, it's Gassat. It's so small. You almost can't even see it compared to the New Jerusalem. Get a load of this. That is a picture of Mount Everest. Mount Everest is the tallest mountain in the world. It's about five miles high. <laughs> five miles high. The New Jerusalem is 200 and 73 times higher than Mount Everest. It starts to give you a perspective, right? Okay, you live out here in this valley. If you don't and you're visiting, you've seen it. You look that way. You look east. What do you see? You see that great big mountain right there, the San Jacinto Mountain. That San Jacinto Mountain, the peak, is just over two miles high, right? That's a pretty big mountain. 
This city is, I don't know, uh, two miles high, 15, what's that, about 750 miles, 750 times higher than that mountain? I mean, try to imagine your eyes looking up 750 times higher. When you see a jet flying over it, let's say it's 35,000, 40,000 feet, what's that, seven miles, eight miles, something like that? Could you imagine this thing is 1,500 miles high? You're trying to see, it's just beyond our imagination. The square footage of, uh, uh, of this new Jerusalem would be the size of the moon. And since it's a giant cube, not just square miles, but cubed, Henry Morris writes that guessing there have been 100 billion people in the human race, that goes all, all the way back to Adam and Eve, and you start accumulating all the people that have been born and then died, and born and then died, I believe it would actually be more than 100 billion. But nevertheless, guessing there have been 100 billion people in the human race, and that 20% of them will be saved, which I think is a, a very generous number, uh, 20% of them would be saved. Each person would have a block with about 75 acres to call their own if it was divided up in such a way. So this, I mean, the city is massive. And it will be a natural city. In other words, it's going to be a city that is made by God. Just as Abraham looked, he wanted the city who had foundations and whose builder was God. It's a city made by God as opposed to man-made. Uh, there will be a real city with finely honed architecture and measurements. It's not going to have a stamp that says made in Japan or made in Mexico or made in the USA. It's not going to have any of those things. But if it did have a stamp on it, it would say heaven made in heaven. You look at it and go, this is just like incredible. It truly is the heavenly city. Okay, move on. Next question. You ready? So number three was what city did John see? the New Jerusalem. Number four, how is this city a bride? Look at this. I, John, I saw the holy city, the New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Listen, this does not mean that the city itself is a bride. It just uses the metaphor that the city is adorned like a bride. But there is a connection. On her wedding day, the bride, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> on her wedding day, <clears throat> a bride is at her best. She works to get ready to look her best, find the perfect makeup and the perfect clothes. This city is prepared just as a prepared city, just as Jesus promised. In John chapter 14, when he said, listen, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And where I'm going, guess what? You are going there too. Here's some things about this city. The city is not the bride of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. In other words, the people in the city and the church is adorned uh, by this beautiful city. The new Jerusalem is her wedding gift from the Lord to us. Isn't that cool? Uh, it is the homeland of the bride. I, I think that is, uh, personally, I think that's pretty cool there. And the bride of Christ, she, that would be we who are believers in Christ, will dwell there with Christ for eternity. Now check this out. We will dwell there, but we will not be confined to this city. Look over chapter 21, verse 25. <clears throat> its gates, tells us, 
shall not be shut at all by day, and there shall be no night there. Again, 21 verse 25. We will come and go. And we will be there in the city with the Lord. Look back at verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be will with them and be their God. And I love this part. We already read it. I want to read it again. It's one of my favorite places in the whole Bible. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death. There will be no sorrow. There will be no crying. This is the place of no mores. No more of the bad stuff. No more of the sad stuff. No more of the sorry stuff. There will be no more death. There will be no more pain. For the former things have passed away. And then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new, better than the old. Impressive. I make all things new. And he said to me, Right, for these words are true and faithful. <clears throat> these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done with an exclamation mark. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. Verse 7, he who overcomes shall inherit all things. I will be his God and he shall be my son. I love that. We have pains, we have trials, we have tribulations. In heaven there's no more debt collectors. There's no more foreclosures. You don't have to pay the electric bill. You don't have to save up money to buy groceries. You don't have to do any of that stuff. You don't have to go to a funeral home. You don't have to see a shrink. You don't have to go to a doctor for anything. Uh, the, the, there will be no doctors there. There will be no lawyers there. I don't really mean there won't be any doctors or lawyers. You won't need them there. You won't need a doctor. You aren't going to need a lawyer. You have the greatest advocate of all, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to be in heaven, and guess what? The judgment's already done. We get to heaven, I think, man, it is going to be so awesome. And no more pain. Uh, we're not going to be separated from our loved ones anymore. How many of you have lost someone that you've loved? Man, think of that. To lose someone in Christ knowing uh, that, uh, even as we sang the song earlier, there's no grave that's going to hold the Lord down. There's no grave that's going to hold you down if you're a believer. You will be reunited with your loved ones in Christ, never to be separated again. I can't wait to sit in heaven. I personally think I'll be sitting there at some kind of heavenly cafe. <clears throat> another message, another time. Heavenly cafe, having a cup of coffee with Pastor Lane who went to heaven a few years ago. And other people that, that we just love. And I, and I think, man, I, I've looked so forward to it. When you see someone struggling, they're going through cancer, or they die suddenly, it's so hard and, and so miserable. And anybody who's experienced it, and to just think, these are the promises of Jesus, John 14, and I'm going to go and prepare a place for you, and if I go, I'm going to bring you there to myself, that where I am, you will be also, never to be separated again. And here in Revelation chapter 21, we start to get an idea of what this place is going to be like. I told you before, when it comes to, when, when it comes to the food of heaven, it's going to be fantastic. I will eat all the donuts I want, never gaining weight. I'm going to have old-fashioned donuts. I'll probably get a dozen at a time. And I'm going to thoroughly enjoy those donuts. I might... I, well, anyways, we'll save other things for Revelation 22. 
But it's glorious. Being able to think will be with the Lord forever and ever and ever. See him face to face and be with our loved ones never to be separated again. This world was not meant to end in the grave. It does end in the grave because of sin. So Jesus has come to rescue us from that and take us to the place that it's meant to be. And man, I'm excited about it. Well, let's move on because we're almost out of time. Number five, why are there gates in this city? That's a good question. Verse 12 also, wait, yeah, verse 12. Also, she had a great and high wall with 12 gates and 12 angels at the gates and names written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. Three gates on the east, three on the north, three on the south, three on the west. Now the wall of the city had 12 foundations on them, uh, and there were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. You have the gates, you have the walls, the names of the 12 tribes of Israel, and the names of the 12 apostles. So what is going on? It's interesting that there are walls and gates that are built around the city. Why? They are not there to keep us in because the gates are open. Verse 25 tells us so. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day. There shall be no night there. The gates are open. Uh, They are not there to keep the wicked out because they are in hell. The great white throne judgment. It appears that the walls and the gates are for the glory of God and a reminder for us. They appear to be monumental walls and gates and gates as they are engraved with the names of the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, That is pretty awesome. I imagine Jacob, when he had his 12 sons, might have been thinking, there's not a chance. But you look here, you're going, the 12 tribes of Israel engraved there. I imagine the 12 apostles, when they were first chosen, of course, Judas is gone, and then we have somebody else replacing him. Will it be Paul or will it be Matthias? Hmm. I can't answer that, I don't know. Um, But we have 12 apostles. I imagine when the apostles were picked, none of them were thinking, wow, one day my name's going to be written in heaven. Now we do know James and John asked their mommy to ask Jesus if they could sit on his right hand. You know that story? (laughs) Ask Jesus. I mean, can you imagine, you know the passage, right? All right, so, I mean, their mom goes to Jesus and says, Please let it be that my sons, one will be on your right hand and the other on your left. Whose mommy would do that? I mean, I look and go, these are grown men. You look, you come on. Anyways, so, uh, but I would imagine they couldn't have possibly thought they would be. Maybe James and John, they wanted it. Peter, good chance Peter might have thought, oh, yeah, my name will be there. Although nobody else's will, Lord, I'm faithful, my name will be there. But I think it's pretty cool. What an incredible city. This will be in heaven. We have this reminder. We have the names of the 12 tribes of Israel, the 12 apostles of Jesus. Reminder, Jew and Gentile are one forever and ever in Yeshua, in the Lord Jesus Christ. I came across this article just the other day. 25 best places to live in the U.S. in 2019. I know this is going to be a shock to some of you. I looked everywhere. I could not find Hemet, California on the top 25 list. But... uh. But, but, uh, uh, I, but this, <laughs> this heavenly city well, is literally out of this world. And keep this in mind too. Fifteen times in Revelation 21 and 22, the place God has, uh, the, the place God and his people will live together for is called a city. 
the repetition of the word city and the detailed description of the architecture, walls, gates, streets, and other features of the city suggests that the term city is not a figure of speech, but a literal city with a literal geographical location, wrote Tom Gilbreth. We will be living forever with resurrected bodies. We will not be disembodied spirits. So if we have physical resurrected bodies, it logically follows that we will be living in a physical environment here in this place. And it's a beautiful city. We can picture it. Randy Alcorn says, a city has buildings and streets and parks and visitors and bustling activity. Cities have cultural events and gathering involving uh, music, the arts, uh, education and entertainment and sports. And continuing in the words of Randy Alcorn, if the capital city of the New World doesn't have these things plus a lot more, it would seem misleading for the Bible to repeat, repeatedly call it a city. It is going to be so incredible. Again, beyond what we can even imagine. Wow. Better than the old. It's going to be beyond impressive. The streets of heaven paved with gold so transparent. Uh, you can see through it like glass. That's just the streets. Listen, when we get into chapter 22, the final chapter, we're going to get into some off-the-chart details that to me are so exciting. And it's in chapter 22, you get to the end, where we read, Come quickly, Lord Jesus. But look at these closing words of chapter 21. Didn't read them yet except verse 25. John writes, But I saw no temple in this new city. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need for the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light, and the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. Its kings shall not, or excuse me, its gates shall not be shut at all by day. There shall be no night there, and they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it, but there shall by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. So you notice who is there? The Lord is there, and His people are there. And the heavenly angels, the heavenly hosts. That's who's there. The Apostle Paul let us know that we are citizens of heaven. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. This is exciting. Can you imagine how this is going to be? Getting to heaven, going to heaven, and seeing this? Man, this is just a brief overview. Next time we'll look at some things in more detail. But I look at this, and here's what's most concerning. is noting who is not going to be there. Verse 8, the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone which is the second death let me stop here all of us are guilty of these sins but the difference is those who confess their sins and say lord jesus forgive me and repent of their sins to repent to make a u-turn and surrender to christ you're forgiven but this is speaking of those who will not come to the lord and they will be judged because they rejected the forgiveness and the mercy, and the grace, and the hope that's in the Lord Jesus Christ. What happens, verse 27, there shall by no means enter anything that defiles the city or causes an abomination or a lie. 
There's no sin that will enter. So if you've not asked Christ to forgive you of your sin, you will not be in heaven. You will be judged for your sin. Only those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Verse 27 closes. Thanks for listening and being a part of this week's podcast. Before you go, I'd like to invite you to visit our website, hopeforourtimes.com, and check out the many resources we have to offer. On our website, we have books, DVDs, and daily news articles that will always keep you up to date on the times we're living in. If you'd like to see the video version of this week's podcast, you can find us at Hope For Our Times on YouTube. God bless, and we'll talk to you next time.